Ephesians 5.10 says, Find out what pleases the Lord. Father, thank you once again for this time together. We thank you that we are called your children, and that's what we are because of Jesus. We thank you that we can approach the throne of grace boldly, that we might find mercy and favor in the time of need. Thank you for this beautiful day, for our health. Thank you for opening the eyes of our hearts and understanding to know you better today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Talk about understanding today. The times that we live in are perilous. And the world is in trouble. For Christians, this should not be a surprise because it's all in the book. But the world doesn't live a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. And so there is no real wisdom. The lines between what is good and what is evil have been skewed. You know what that means? They've been blurred, altered, taking a change of direction. The dictionary says to make biased or distorted in a way that is regarded as inaccurate, unfair, or misleading. That's what's happened to God's truth. And it shouldn't be a surprise again because what does the Bible tell us about this world? Who's in control of this world for a time? The enemy. So we shouldn't be so shocked. We ourselves knowing what life without God does. We know that Jeremiah said it's not within man to direct his own steps. It leads to disaster. And it leads to error. Just when... Men use their own wisdom to try and figure out what is best. It will get off course, and it doesn't take much to be off in the mud, you see. (laughs) I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. Uh, You don't have to do it. If you want to mark anything today, I'm going to be in John chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 11. But in 2 Peter, the third verse of the third chapter says, Knowing this first of all, here's Peter's warning to us in his last letter to the church, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, the first verse, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Matter of fact, I'm going to read from that 
there's more, just a little bit from 2 Timothy. We're just going to talk about this condition of the world for just a moment, and then we're going to get on to us, all right? 2 Timothy, the third chapter, starting at the first verse, says, But understand this, he's telling Timothy, this young pastor who's, who struggles, he needs encouragement, he needs instruction, he needs to be strengthened and told how to stand firm and what to do and what to expect. And that's what Paul was doing for this young man that he loved so much, and thereby doing it for me and for all the others who need encouragement along these lines. But he said, but understand this, in the last days there will be some times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Listen to this, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. And he goes on in the fourth chapter, he tells him, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith. These are Christians he's talking about here. And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Says that their itchy ears will will look seek out teachers who are going to tell them what they want to hear. Do you think you can find somewhere in, somewhere to go, even in the church, to agree with you, no matter what lifestyle you choose these days? You can. You can. There are entire denominations that have split off, and this part of it now embraces what God has not ordained as marriage. All other sorts of things, just a, one example. But this is deception. This is the devil. This is not God. But Jesus said, he used to say, I, I'm not here to judge you. He, was, he came as a light, as a beacon, as an example of, of, of an, as an opportunity for mercy and forgiveness and love and to teach us who the Father really is and what his character is really like and the goodness of God, which is supposed to lead us to repentance. When Jesus said that there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words, the very words I have spoken will condemn them on that last day. Remember what I talked to you about last week, about the judgments at the end of time? And they opened the books. There's an argument to be made that the, the books are, are the word, is the word of God. And if you don't have Jesus, <laughs> you better be perfect. <laughs> because this is God's holy standard, you see. So the world's in big trouble. And the devil is doing everything he can to deceive and continue the deception, and he disguises himself as an angel of light, the Bible says. He's going to always try to deceive. He doesn't come out and say, I'm the bad guy, agree with me. He says, they're wrong, these Christian haters, you see. Let me teach you how to be 
right and he's wrong. But let's just focus on Christians. There's no one here that needs to be evangelized. You all saved. You all know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? If anybody doesn't, let's just fix that right now. If you're of age to understand. Okay, good. Then we'll, so we're being discipled here. We're being encouraged and edified and built up. And, and we're growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So why don't we do a better job of living for God? I'll answer the question. Hold on. Some of you were like. <laughs> well, I'm going to answer. I'm going to give you because I've been asking him this question. I asking him, Lord, why don't I I'll start with me do a better job of living for you? I know, you know, he, he told he told those religious Pharisees, he said, you if you didn't know. You, you, you'd be innocent, but now that you claim to know, your guilt remains. I, I claim to know. I claim to know, and, and so I have, I have a higher responsibility, you see. Everything that I say I know, I should be acting on. At least heading in that direction. Allowing him to work in that area of my life. So I'll ask him, Lord, Why? Why aren't we doing better? And we know we know what helps us. Didn't Jesus say in John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth is what will set you free. When he talks about freedom, he's always talking about freedom from the bondage to sin. Free to live a life of freedom. Free to live for him. Free to live unhindered. Amen? But here's what... I asked him, I said, it's the truth that sets us free. We just need to know the truth. We need to know the truth. But that's not exactly complete. Because here's, here's the deal. It's truth. The truth is always the truth. The whole truth, nothing but the truth. The truth doesn't change from being the truth. So it's truth with understanding that leads to applied truth. I always talk about revelation knowledge, revelation knowledge, and I understand that some people might go, "Well, that's that's you know that's that's high, you know that's a uh, that's for the that's for the really you know spiritually mature." So I'm just going to call it understanding because that's what it is. It's when the light goes on. I never forget the day in my algebra class when I just was so angry and frustrated because I couldn't get it, and then the day the light went on, I never forget that moment. It's very similar with things regarding God. He'll flip the switch for you. Different doctrines, different teachings, different ways of His, different things regarding you, faith, all these things. He'll just start flipping switches when you really seek Him with your whole heart. So truth with understanding leads to applied truth. He's done everything for us, hasn't He? You know the context of that scripture, by the way? You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's look over in John chapter 8 for a minute. I love John chapter 8. I did a whole deal on it one time. I'm not going to start at the beginning of the chapter, but this is where 
This is a place that starts off with a beautiful picture of grace, a beautiful picture of, of, of godly wisdom. They really thought they had Jesus cornered here because his message was preaching love and mercy and grace. And then, But he also was here to uphold the law all the way to the end, every jot and tittle. And they had a woman caught in the very act of adultery. Somehow the man, uh, if they were caught in the act, I, I, I don't know how they got there without the man. But the woman, and they asked Jesus what to do. He neither condoned the sin nor judged the woman. He simply focused them on their own sin, and it all went away. But then, in the 12th verse, Jesus takes it up. He says again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. <laughs> For it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? <laughs> See, Jesus, this is an interesting place to talk about revelation knowledge and the Christian life and wisdom and understanding. As Jesus is getting into something pretty deep here. He refers to himself. You see, in Deuteronomy um, 17... Verse 6, it says that everything will be established on the testimony of two witnesses. Jesus is saying, it's me and my Father who are bearing witness. <laughs> and so, <laughs> he's really rubbing these guys wrong, right? But Deuteronomy 6, 4 says that the Lord, our God, is one. One God. John 8 here, Jesus is making a complete distinction, though, between him and the Father, isn't he? The one who sent me, he and I are both witnesses, doesn't he? And that, that's at least two, right? And, but then in John 17, remember on that faithful night, he again starts off in the prayer, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and your son Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then he talks to them throughout John 17 about... The unity of God. Oneness of God. One God. And again, the Old and the New Covenant say that. Malachi 2.10, 1 Timothy 2.5. One God. But we know that Jesus talks about him. So he tells, he tells him, he said, just show us the Father and we will, and we will believe him. He said, hey, have I been with you this long and you still haven't seen him? He goes, in other words, you're looking at him. If you're going, if your head's swimming a little bit, it's okay. It's okay. But most of us, a lot of people 
I would say a lot of Christians have just come to the fact that they, they just know that God is one. There's one God. But they also know that there's there's three and they think that he just there's one God, but he just he reveals himself in three different persons. That's not it. They are three different individuals. Yet they are one. Not just one in in uh, in their feelings, in their attitudes and emotion. No, they don't just agree on everything so that they're by one. No, they, it, they're just one God and three distinct individuals. See, this the world can never understand this. I'm I'm, I'm getting I'm going somewhere with this. But I mean, are you have you thought about this at much length? This is one of the hardest things that people. Uh, you know, I, I I had a chat with them. Uh, Witnesses at my door the other day. They have a, a, they have a uh, some kingdom business they were trying to push down my throat, and they this is where this is where they get off. <laughs> Amen. So, nevertheless, this is a this is a big problem if you're trying to understand God with your mind, isn't it? This is one of the places where the world kind of just steps off and says. Yeah, okay. You know, and these these uh, these people who are really wanting to serve God so much and just knock on your door, you know, and, and I, I just say, is Jesus God? No. He said no. They, they only can understand the natural aspects of it, and so they make everything fit into that the best they can. Even through scripture, they have to justify it in their mind, you see. First Corinthians thirteen twelve says that one day we will know all things. Even as we are known. But some things now we just have to accept by revelation knowledge, by faith. Just as they are told to us by God in his word. And this is where the world differs from us. Just like the message of the cross. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. Even the Muslims, like I said, Jesus is a prophet. He's a good man. Well, but he didn't die on the cross because God wouldn't do that to one of his prophets, not his son, you see. But they've had to justify all these things in their mind and thereby... It, everything, if, if that's the, their basis, their case, they could just throw the whole religion out the window, which they should anyway. It's all based on lies and a murder and the deception of the devil. But Jesus was either God or he was a liar. They can't make it fit into their own mold. That's what the world tries to do. And without the help of the Holy Spirit, that's what you're stuck with. But God has done everything for us already. And listen, he's not mad at you. If you think that's where this message is going today, I just want to, he just, he just wanted to interrupt right here because God is not mad at you. We're going somewhere. I'm going to make you think, though, a little bit before this day's over. God, in his goodness, isn't mad at you. Matter of fact, he's just waiting on you. People always screaming and, and, and 
praying for revival. God wants revival more than you do. More than they do. He's just waiting. God's all, heaven's always in revival. <laughs> but we undermine God's work in our lives. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. He's talking about Adam. And so God just looks at the seed. Everything from Adam to, to Jesus was corrupted because of that sin. Not because of your sin. You sinned because you were born a sinner. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Talking about Jesus. Jeremiah 33.8 I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me. And I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. This has already taken place now. Jeremiah was prophesying about the time in which you live. This church age of grace and truth. Psalm 130 verse 4. But with you there is forgiveness. So that, so that we can with reverence serve God. The forgiveness had to be. The sin had to be dealt with so that now with reverence we can serve God in relationship with Him. Isaiah said it this way in 44, 22. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And then in, remember how I learned all the 9-11 in 12 scriptures, Hebrews 9, 11, and 12. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Take off running, shout. I'm going to do something to encourage myself. <laughs> this is good stuff. This is the good news. You could be living under Sharia law, trying to earn your way to heaven and getting so distorted and skewed. They're killing people. Mass graves are being found. These are just thugs and criminals. These are not people who want God. Don't remember the girl with the, you remember Lazarus' sister who had the alabaster box and she broke, you know, wept and Jesus' feet dried with her hair. This is someone who realizes what has been accomplished for them, has been freed. She's been freed of, of some things. Realized the gravity, the magnitude of it, and because of it, she loved him all the more. So he loves her. And just like Mary, 
He's forgiven us. He's saved us. If we've humbled ourselves and submitted to his lordship, yielded our lives to him honestly, received his mercy, his grace of forgiveness and eternal redemption, we're free. Ephesians 1.3 says that he has blessed us, God the Father has blessed us, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Third John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Second Peter 1, 3, According as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. This is all great news. All past tense. All done deal. We are resting, supposedly resting, supposed to be resting in his finished work. Working from a position of rest, you see. There's a big difference. But it doesn't happen automatically and that's why we're talking today. There are spiritual laws in place which govern God's provision for our lives. And we have to learn to cooperate. That's why I'm always talking about this. It's important that we learn our, our new identity in Christ and what we have in Him and believe it and act upon it in order to get the things that He has for us to us in this natural realm where we can put them to use now. Whether it be mental or physical Financial, it's, it's all been provided, you see. So here's the kicker. But, <laughs> there's rebellion, you see. There's rebellion. The Bible tells all we all like sheep have gone astray. Remember last week in Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. And God has laid the iniquity upon, of us all upon Jesus because of it. And so he says he's forgiven in Jeremiah 33, 8, our sin and rebellion against him. But there's still rebellion. Even in God's people. And it, rebellion is still like witchcraft to him. He hates it. He abhors it. Just like he does homosexuality. Just like he does hatred and Murder and all the other things. When we are told anything, even God's children, I'm talking about us now, the world is already, we know that, their condition. But when we are told anything, especially in our culture, in this day and age, we go on alert. A red flag goes up and we perceive Someone, even God, telling us something to do as a negative. Huh? It's because we lack understanding. It's because we lack understanding. We need revelation of God's intent. God says we need understanding. Proverbs 4, verse 5 says, Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Here it is. So, how do we understand that? 
How do we understand that all things are possible with God? Mountain moving God. How do we understand with our mind that we live in this world? It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, we live in this world, but we do not wage war according to our flesh or as the world does. How do we understand this? How do we understand about forgiveness and, you know, you remember when the Pope got shot and he went and visited a guy in prison? The Turkish guy? How do we understand this? How do we understand the armor of God that we can't see? How to walk in this spirit realm where we are protected and blessed and strengthened and mighty? Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith, we understand, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So understanding or revelation of the things we learn comes through faith. Understanding comes through faith. Do you want understanding? I mean, am I on the right track here? This is something we all should, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want some lights to go on, Lord, yeah. I want understanding. It comes through faith. That's what it says. By faith we understand. Hebrews 11.3. I can't tell you how important understanding or revelation knowledge of God through faith is to the believer. In the times in which we live. And, and we're going to experience worse times in our lives. Especially our children. Our grandchildren. I think how foolish it is. I think how foolish it is for a man to send his wife to church alone. Amen. They lack understanding. God sees that man as the priest of his household, the leader, the spiritual leader. And just like I'm charged to know the state of my flock, so is that man. Now, each of that woman's not crazy for going. She's smart, no matter what he does. We're not always equally yoked. That's why we bring children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the church so that they don't choose wrongly and then come to know God, hoping the other one comes with them. And to what degree and what extent, you see, that's a mess. It's hard. Tavana and I were pioneers in this, and we can do oh. We don't recommend it. We recommend it if that's what has to be done, but we recommend start young and, and grow up in the church and marry within God's church. Someone who doesn't just go to church, but is part of the church. Who loves God. And because he loves God and has received the love of God, he can know how to love and she can know how to love. We need, we need families here. We need families, godly families. We need the older women to teach the younger women how to love their husbands. That's what the Bible says. All this stuff I'm talking to you now, it's just from God. So it's, it's not politically correct. Excuse me. Yeah. 
But political correctness, masking itself as tolerance and acceptance and equality and love is being encouraged by, not by God the Father, but by the father of lies, Satan himself. And it is sending a morally bankrupt world to hell. Does that mean everything that's considered politically correct is, is bad? No. Remember, the devil is going to gonna start with some good stuff. Then he's going to take it too far, you see. So, here's the question. Has God evolved? I, I was asking God, has God evolved? That's what, that's what they would make you believe. I mean, this is no longer even relevant. It's so old and dusty. God has only evolved in the way that he deals with us. And that last change was made 2,000 years ago. When we entered into this age of grace and truth. You see, we, we, we came out from under the law. Thank you, Jesus. Now we're in this church age of grace and truth, and God has not changed. God has never changed. But he's changed in the way that he's dealt with man from time to time. So, the problem, the problem here, now I'm almost done, but not that close to being done, Chris, so hold on. First close. There was... There was something the church, churches, more the church has been beat, battered and bruised and beat up, and, and now the world just thinks that, that, uh, that you know they, they realize Christians are being persecuted and killed around the world, but they also think in America uh, the, the 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 what do you call those polls say that they do think that Christians we, we complain too much though. Mm -hmm. They're being beheaded and and killed and enslaved and and. Genocide is taking place, but you know, come on, how much you gonna we gotta hear about this? You know, that's the attitude. Because after all, really, we're just putting up with you Christians because y'all are deceived and you're not tolerant and accepting, and you haven't, you don't understand. You're you're still in denial, and you're and you're uh, really ignorant is what the world thinks. The Dark Ages. You ever heard of the Dark Ages? The church during this time called the Dark Ages, they demanded acceptance of all beliefs without any exception. This is a time when people were not always literate. They definitely didn't have a Bible in their own language to even read. They went to church and did whatever they were told. It was the law. It was mandated. The Pope was basically a god. And he was considered to be whatever he said was infallible, even though it would change from time to time and pope to pope. <laughs> Still does. They did away with purgatory not long ago. Good move. There never was one. No room for error, though. It was the law during this dark ages. And it led to corruption in the church and out of the church. And science was despised. Scientists were persecuted and so on. And then came something called the Reformation, the Renaissance, the Age of Enlightenment. 
Now they found out the world's round, you see. The world's round. And also that many of the, the church proclaimed plagues from God were really just viruses or things from filthy living conditions that they determined to they could fix them. Wasn't from God. Many of the the limitations that the church had placed on people and said it was from God, they realized it was just from ignorance. And so people began to wake up, you see. They began to wake up, rightly so. Their thinking changed. Remember, they didn't really have the Bible and, and 15 of them in different versions and, and languages like we did. And, and, and most of the things being taught came from dead religion and teachings and doctrines of men. So people began to question this blind faith that they were required to have and what they were told to do. And they entered into this age of reason where they began to scoff at faith and at the church. In a way, it helped people to be free from, from all of the error and false teachings of religion. But it left them without something else, too. Simple faith. The book of Hebrews says that some things can only be understood by faith. God hasn't seen the necessity to share everything with us. Believe that? Who does he think he is? He's not running everything past us yet. Thankfully, it would destroy you, trust me. It's more than we can grasp, yes? Okay. Yeah, I'll let you. Let me just finish here and then we'll. But. Isaiah says it like this. The, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He says in another place, do you not know, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. That's Isaiah forty twenty eight. It's impossible to figure God out completely. Though you can know him, know his ways regarding you, and, and you can have a relationship with him, which is really the meaning of eternal life and your purpose for existing here. But we have to have faith in God, you see? That's the point. During these times, especially, we need faith more than ever. Technology has placed all sorts of information at our fingertips, hasn't it? But much of it is not based on God's truth. Our learning institution, our universities, for the most part, are teaching against God. We got the new movie, God's Not Dead 2, coming out. If you if you not plan to go see it, please do. If you haven't seen the first one, please see it. It was awesome. We need to encourage these things. Stand behind them. And that's what this is about. These kids standing up 
for God in these schools. This next one's about a teacher, I think. Now, is faith something that you do? No. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I think you can break those out. Faith comes by hearing, and where do you get your hearing? You're hearing. In other words, I, I relate this. Uh, today, I, I just I see it. It, it, it. The hearing is understanding. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, some people don't have ears. Jesus said, those who have ears to hear, what he meant is if you can hear me, if you have understanding, if you have revelation of what I'm saying, if God is showing this to you, then you're his and you're mine. And based on that, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. These are all faith-filled words, little containers of faith. And we need it. It's our daily bread. When we go to Jesus, we go to the Word. Jesus was the Word made flesh. It's the same thing. The Holy Spirit will talk to us. He will remind us of everything that Jesus has said. You see? Hebrews chapter 11. says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, or the evidence, the conviction of, of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And we call this the wall of faith. It, it goes on to list the, the things of faith that Abel did. And, and Abraham. And, and all these other people that are listed here. And it says in the sixth verse, and with fa without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith of Noah is listed here. The faith of Abraham, the faith of Enoch and Moses, Rahab. It says in the 15th verse, talking about the people of old who died in faith, looking forward to what had not yet come. And they never did receive in their lifetime the things they were having faith for. The salvation. Another kingdom, not of this world, is what they were believing in. And so even when they, those are the ones that Jesus went and got. From paradise, when they closed up shop down there, now the only thing down there is hell. When Jesus came back out, he brought those who had died in faith with him, and now they're up in heaven with him, you see. But if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. That's awesome news. That's awesome news. If they had been mindful, that's what it says about Abraham and Sarah, too. Had they been mindful of the land from which they came, they might have went back. 
but they put it out of their mind. Listen, I'm going to give you something for free today. A lot, a lot of the problem has to do with your thinking, our thinking. The battlefield is here between our ears. I want to do a little exercise with you because I'm going to fix your thinking. I want you to think about apples. Beautiful red apples, crunchy, baskets full of them, trees hanging on the trees. This is a beautiful, shiny apple sitting there. Now stop thinking about apples. Don't think about apples. I command you in the name of Jesus, quit thinking about apples. Are you still thinking about apples? Truth be known. Most of you have got an apple in your eye. Your mind. <laughs> so, now I want you to think about bananas. Have you ever seen bananas on a tree? One time I took bananas and I, I, I tied some uh, Chiquita bananas on a, a little banana tree and I tricked somebody. But I love bananas, you know. They're usually, what, 27 cents a pound or something like that. And bananas, they come in a perfect wrapper. And, man, bananas, they say they've got too much sugar in them. But I love bananas, banana bread. I love everything about bananas. Now, listen, are you still thinking about apples? No, you're thinking about bananas, weren't you? You do not fix your thoughts by trying not to think that way. You can't. The law never did fix anything. It just pointed out the problem, you see. For 1,500 years they tried it and couldn't get it right. Jesus took it away. The only way to replace negative thinking is by replacing it with something positive. Some truth from God's word regarding you. Don't ever think that you know it all. Don't, when you come to church, I don't care where you ever end up. I don't care if it's the dumbest little country preacher you ever saw and that he really, you go there to receive from God. God will use that little knucklehead. He uses the foolish, the despised things of this world to confound the wise. The base things. God has got something from you. His word, and I, I use a lot of the word if you haven't noticed. It never returns void. If I just come up here and give you a scripture and talk about it for an hour and a half like I've seen some do. The scripture I know is going to do some good, but I don't know about the rest. That's just a man's words and his take on it. I give you the word. Because I know it won't return void because God says so. It's helping somebody. It's doing its work. And this is the answer. If you don't have a private time set up with the Lord. if I know we have trouble getting to our meetings on time. I'm going to tell you that's not godly either. 
But if you make one appointment this week, make it with God and make it on time. Have a place in your home or in your wherever that you meet with him and start doing that. I encourage you, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Ghost, find out about that. Let, let's get that taken care of. Pray in the Spirit for 15 minutes in the morning for seven days. And when I see you next week, I guarantee you're already going to be telling me about some amazing results and changes that have taken place in your life. I am that confident. Pray the perfect will of God. We do not know how to pray. I need to do a series on prayer because most people do not know how to pray. They don't even know what prayer really is, to be honest with you. But meet with God. Get to know him. Five minutes will seem like an eternity if you're not used to meeting with God. But don't think you have to pray the phone book. He already knows everything that's on your heart. Just thank him. Praise him. And then before you get up to leave, ask, tell him what you want or need. He already knows. But you telling him, when it happens, it will make you realize who gave it to you, okay? <laughs> Replace those negative thoughts with the things that contradict the lie. If you need someone to point you to the ones that pertain to this situation, ask me. Ask Dennis. Ask Manny and May. Ask any of the people who know the word pretty good. If they don't know, they'll ask somebody else. If I don't know, I'll, I'll find out for you. Like I said, we do have we do have access at our fingertips to everything, and some of it is godly. Hello. But the church needs to learn to rely on each other and to pray and to talk about things. You know, I most of you don't shadow that door very often. And that's a mistake, I think. I, I'm the one who's not ever going to judge you. I'm here to, to point you in the right direction, to point you to him. And if you don't have friends surrounding you that you rely upon that point you to Christ, I mean, it's good to cry with your friends. It's good to encourage them and sympathize and be compassionate. But before that conversation's over, you better be pointing them back to Jesus, the one who really has the answer. Ephesians, turn to Ephesians. Tell me the scripture. Ephesians 1, 6, 10, 11, and 12. 6, 10, 11, and 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. For, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit 
with all prayer and supplication. Praise be to God. Amen. Uh, get me excited, Debbie. I'll preach a whole nother. I got a whole series on that one in my mind here. But you know, Paul prayed. We're in Ephesians, and I'll just end here. Chris, you can go ahead, sir. But Paul prayed something about what we've been talking about here today because he knew the need 2,000 years ago when he prayed a prayer for the Ephesians and for you. He didn't ask God that God would do anything for you. He asked that you would simply have revelation of what God has already done. Isn't that something? That you would have understanding. And so I pray the same prayer for you that Paul prayed back then. Father, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him out of the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that fills all in all. Father, this is my sincere prayer that you help us all to hang on to this word today and that we stand believing that this prayer prayed to the Ephesians so long ago and to us now will stand waiting. We'll stand waiting on you, Lord, in faith, knowing that the eyes of our hearts and our understanding will be enlightened so we will see how much you love us and all the things that you have provided and the authority and the, the power and the might that are ours in the name of Jesus. But mostly give us this revelation of your love for us, Lord, so that we can be strengthened and encouraged, confident, to speak your word boldly and not to be moved by the fear of man in this time in which we live. Stand up for Jesus Christ and his words, knowing that it is the truth that will set them free. We thank you and we love you and we thank you for loving us so perfectly through your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading and guiding us, helping us to pray strengthening us, reminding us of all the things Jesus has said, the words of life, the truth regarding us, that we are healed, we are prosperous, we are redeemed, we are loved, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus for all eternity. Our home is in heaven. We are ambassadors here to this sick and dying world. Help us get the word out the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that those who hear might be saved and be redeemed and be free from the bondage to sin thank you Lord 
in Jesus' name. Amen.